0: so check that out. Finally, if there are any topics, guests you'd like to hear from, questions you want answered, or if you'd like to appear on the podcast, just send me an email to robsreliabilityproject at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Now let's get rolling. Hey guys, I'm back and we're here this week with Kate Cohen from Automation Intellect. Kate, how are you today?
1: I'm doing well, doing well. Thanks, Rob. How are you?
0: I'm doing great. Uh, it's it's a fun day. Today's July 3rd. You guys are going to be having fireworks tomorrow. Do you have any plans for the 4th of July?
1: Ooh, staycation. Staycation. Sometimes that's the best, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> all, all, I, all I need to say with this one is be careful and be safe with fireworks.
1: Ah, thanks. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So, well, for everyone listening, Kate is the vice president of sales and marketing for Automation Intellect. And if you want to check out their website, go to automationintellect.com. And recently, they've been hosting a lot of stuff on the state of the IIoT and manufacturing. So, why don't you kick us off, Kate, and tell us a little bit about yourself? How did you get your start in manufacturing?
1: That's such a good question. And it makes me laugh a little bit because It's not exactly what I thought. You know, I wasn't like sitting in school thinking, oh, I'm going to work in manufacturing. It just kind of is how things unfolded. And every piece of my career has been directly tied to manufacturing in some form or fashion. Um, In both large Fortune 500 companies, small, mid sized companies, I've been involved in a lot of different functions that speak to manufacturing, such as information systems, accounting and finance, product planning, scheduling, automation, both in manufacturing, warehousing, distribution, and obviously software. Um, I absolutely love manufacturing. Everyone is touched by manufacturing. It's such a rewarding career path for people, for those who are curious and continual learners out there.
0: Yeah, that's one thing I've, I've really enjoyed about my career, at least over the last five or six years, is you get to really go out and see where everything comes from.
1: Yes. It's magical. Uh, I know that probably sounds funny, but it, it truly is magical, and it it gives you a really major sense of appreciation for the creativity and ingenuity goes into all these different products that you have in your home, and you don't even realize it. Like the pen I have in my hand, all of the thought that went into getting that product to the customer. So it's magic. I love it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: And, and the, the cool thing is I, I've heard this before on, on a podcast and the guy was talking about like the, the ingenuity of people and how we need to work together to make something happen. And the specific example they used was a pencil. And he said, like, nobody knows exactly how to make every part of a pencil and put it all together. It's like a really interesting thing is like somebody has to cut down the tree to make the wood. Somebody's got to refine the graphite. Then it's all going to be put together. Then there's the eraser. How do you make the rubber for that? Plus that little metal thing. And then they can sell it to you all for like under 50 cents.
1: Exactly. It's magic.
0: We we digress. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> So, I wanted to to bring you on today because you recently posted a kind of a breakdown of the current state of manufacturing and their challenges with the industrial internet of things. Do you want to just give us like an overview or an introduction? Like what's going on in manufacturing?
1: So... I have an analogy for you. And so this is how I envision it. And it's kind of giving a vision of what the future state is that customers are trying to get to, and then what's actually happening today in the trenches. Okay. Rob, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. Have you <laughs> have you ever been um, to the ocean? Yes. Have you ever been snorkeling? Yes. Uh, Do you, have you seen those large schools of fish in the ocean that are all swimming together? And if one fish moves, every fish moves in that same direction. They're all self-correcting, moving through the ocean. Do you see that visual? Yep that's where manufacturers are trying to get in this sexy IoT industry 4.0 space so they can move together and if something happens like you know if a predator comes and all the fish disperse it's like a choreographed thing where they all come back together quickly uh if they get caught in some sort of current that's pulling them to shore they can all pivot and turn together to, um, you know, to escape the current and, and just keep moving to the future. That's the vision and the, the feeling that manufacturers are trying to get to. Okay. But now I'm going to give you the visual of the reality. Like what is going on today? Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay. So you have this school of fish, beautiful school of fish in the ocean. It gets caught in a current, And it is getting pulled to the shore. And so now the fish are in the manufacturer, all the fish that make up the manufacturers, they are in the waves. And some of them are beaching themselves on the beach. Some of them are caught in the waves. And they are you know, going in this looping thing where they just can't get out of the waves. And it all comes to teamwork, self-correction. I actually looked up uh, in Quora, like the definition of why fish beach themselves to see, you know, just to confirm it's a very clear parallel to what's going on in the trenches today um, in IoT. And the, the actual definition is predators use a strategy of driving them into the shallows. Some quirk of waves, currents, and even winds conspire, can conspire push them there as well. Um, so that's kind of like this, this wave that's going through with everything, not just manufacturing, but to be more connected, to have better information. Um, that's what's going on in the trenches. Just painting the visual for you.
0: Now, is each fish a piece of equipment at their site, in their facility, or is it a person, or what is it? <laughs>
1: It could be either. It could be a piece of equipment. That would be a great analogy for viewing um, equipment, machines, things, whatever you're calling your assets or your pieces of equipment. That could be a great analogy for that as well. Um, it could. It also is an analogy um, more at a macro level of like a whole organization working together.
0: Awesome. No, that's a really interesting. Now, when, when you say they're beaching themselves, like <laughs> i i guess it will you know we'll get into the maybe the discussion of the the global competitiveness but like you're based in the united states and i assume most of your customers are american customers are you really seeing that kind of competitiveness like are they starting to lose market share like what's going on
1: i i That that trend is coming. Um, If they're not if they're not taking IoT seriously, that trend will come. Um, Where they they will lose market share. They may they may be quote unquote have they may have beached themselves in the very near future. Um, if they're not taking this seriously. Um, And I know that, um, I think there was an an article that came out from LNS Research that um, 8% of manufacturers are not, um, or only 8% of manufacturers have a real tried and true IoT in place.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, so like just a little background is like I've been harping on people getting on the, at least the artificial intelligence machine learning train for about a year now, because I just see it as it's kind of the only way forward. And and by the way forward, I mean, it's the now, like I have an Alexa in my house. I use my Google uh, assistant for a lot of things. We use it to text every day. We use it to email every day and it saves us a lot of time. And one of the work I did with machine learning was I replicated somebody looking at oil analysis samples and diagnosing failures from that. And to me, this is like, if you're not doing this, you're costing yourself more money like than you need to be. And then also like you can be making mistakes in just like having somebody review stuff. They get tired, you know, it's Friday afternoon, whatever. The the Iaot like where do you see it going? Like where is it now? Like is the technology good enough?
1: There's there's a ton of technology at the at manufacturers' fingertips. Okay, but it it, it really comes down. I don't think it's a technology question. I think it is more of a question of ensuring that it's a question of getting the right people involved early and often. And and all these people need to be involved in a discussion and come away with clear objectives, clear business objectives, IoT objectives, and clear ROI metrics. I think that is the key root cause of some of the confusion, not necessarily technology that is available. Um, I think the other piece of it that causes a lot of confusion is there are. Every single manufacturer is unique. Even manufacturers that have, quote unquote, they say they have sister facilities um, in different locations. And I'm coming in from the discrete and assembly um, automation world, high volume. Um, And even in some of those areas that you would think would be more cookie cutter. There is just so much nuance to the equipment, the equipment type. any sort of components that make up those pieces of equipment. It's just, it's very, very complicated and
0: complex. (laughs) You're going to, you're going to, we're going to have an argument out now. (laughs) Uh Uh-oh. No, so, so here's my, here's my, so I used to work in mining and we had actually, it was funny, we had two mines and the pits of the mines, they backed onto each other. And so they were they were touching at the back, and we even shared there was a haul truck, and there was there was a few of them, and they actually drove from one mine to the other, and they would change the number when they crossed, crossed this imaginary mo- uh, like line. And each of the mines they would say we are you know we're way different. we're a unique butterfly than the other one. But you're literally mining the same mountain on the other side." And my contention is that, you know, if the equipment's the same, and you're doing roughly the same thing, it's not necessarily, like you're not a unique butterfly first off. But the second thing is a lot of the processes is in place and it's, it's really, you can tweak them a little bit to make them work for you, but it's less of a concern than people think.
1: I okay, I hear what you're saying, right? Um, it's kind of like maybe there's a syndrome going out there going on out there that people think that they're more unique than they really are, you know <laughs> In manufacturing, so I hear what you're saying. Um, and I think that is a good analogy for um like the actual operation, but when it comes to the pieces of equipment that are being uh, manufactured, it's like... This is this is where the complexity comes in from my the world I come from with discrete assembly. Um, if they have automated equipment and they have a facility in California, likely that specific facility is working with X, Y, and Z vendor that is in um, that region. That may or may not be in high high probability is not the same makeup of the types of vendors that X, Y, Z facilities. Is in Canada or Florida or, um, or you know, somewhere in the Midwest, and it's onto PLC programming. How um, the machines are being programmed. Um, it's not that is unique, and it's not always cookie cutter.
0: No, I guess I guess for me, like I've never really done too much in the manufacturing space, but. When we're talking about industrial Internet of Things, like, what are we talking about here? Like, is it just sensors? Do they come from, or like, do they come stock on the equipment already? Like, automation intellect. Are you guys producing the sensors as well as the platform? Just the platform? Like, how does that work?
1: Yes. Great question. Great question. Okay. So, in the IoT space, there is a lot. Okay. I'm going to use the analogy that you used in the very beginning of this podcast about the pencil. With a pencil, you have to get, everybody's specializing in a very specific piece of that pencil. But the full finished product of Industry 4.0 IIoT is that full pencil. Okay. And so in this IOT space, that's exactly how you have to look at it. And so where our team plays is really in um, the machine performance, the machine monitoring, driving the granularity at the machine level for immediate ROI. There are, um, you know, there's what you've been calling IoT sensors, which in I view them as devices that are sort of enabled for IoT that would speak into some sort of system that does a visualization or um, machine monitoring. Um, But that's really how you look at the makeup of this IoT Industry 4.0 space is exactly that analogy that you brought up with the the, uh, pencil.
0: So it's a holistic solution to make more money.
1: Yes, but it's I, my point for bringing up that analogy with the pencil is you can't expect one vendor to be able to do everything that needs to be done, or every software um, provider to do everything that needs to be done. There's specializations in different areas.
0: Uh so how do how do we get them all to work well together? <laughs> Deep sigh. <sky. laughs> I ask the tough questions.
1: Uh, no, it's uh, to get them to all work together. I'm um, bringing the right people in early and often. So I'm going to list those people out. From a manufacturer perspective, you need to have corporate IT, you need to have manufacturing and operations leadership at the corporate level. You need to have any, t- any um, a- anointed or appointed team of IIoT involved. Um, oftentimes this is at corporate. They could also have some teams that are focused on uh, specific plants. Uh, Plant leadership, so the people who are responsible for the overall goal of the plant. You need to also have the people responsible for the day-to-day operations, the people actually at the plant floor involved. You need to have continuous improvement and operational excellence involved, often at the corporate and plant levels. You need to have plant-level IT involved. You need to have financial and sourcing stakeholders involved. Okay? Then when you have assembled the right people that need to be that need to weigh into these decisions get alignment on the need the goal is to drive ROI right and so a lot of software providers in this space are focusing at um what is called the mes level, and this is for things like planning scheduling, and maintenance. these are cost centers basically, but when it comes to the actual place in the plant that has the all the holds all the data for real ROI from the, the assets or the equipment on the plant floor, this is where the p- complexity comes in, and this is where software providers um, they really really need to work Together to drive the best solutions for customers. And so, what's going on is you have multiple machine types, multiple devices, you have a lot of cooks in the kitchen, a lot of nuances, and a lot of matters, and everyone's trying to hoard a piece of the pie. Um, And it's really the way to carve out the space or to carve out the future together to be able to work together to create the pencil. Going back to the pencil analogy, is that we have to work together in this space as IoT professionals to to leverage each other's strengths.
0: Yeah, it sounds like to me like it, it sounds kind of similar to a lot of our listeners. We're going to be talking about you know reliability, and it sounds like it's kind of a similar idea where you really need a like an on-site champion who works at at the manufacturing company who's really kind of heading the project and kind of getting everybody on board and getting the buy-in and pushing the culture and really doing the meetings with all the stakeholders. How do you feel about that?
1: Agree. And companies are looking to do that. Um, and there are strategizing and working to do that. And that usually falls within these IIoT teams that act as like the internal liaison
0: now, now I guess so. I, I did a little research, and they published a, like a Forbes article, and it said that seventy six percent of IoT initiatives fail. What? Where's the gap?
1: The Forbes article is an absolute great article, um, and I think this is the gap that we just you know we we just talked about is the amount of people and the stakeholders involved, and in ensuring that alignment is being vetted continuously throughout the process. Um, and also the um, the complexity of getting the information off the equipment at times is a barrier because of those nuances um, with the different pieces of equipment and everything coming from different vendors.
0: So we can't just blame our IT department.
1: No, <laughs> but you know, um it it is can be a major factor to it as well
0: now now when you say i t can be a major factor are we talking about their concern over security or a lot of the at least from what I've seen they're still kind of in the dark ages of technology or where like what are you talking about
1: i don't think I don't know necessarily i mean yes industry three industry 3 point0 is still primarily where everybody is still today. So it's kind of changing the thought process and how to change change manage into being able to procure cloud-based SaaS kind of a, um, software in the spring space. Um, I also think that oftentimes IT is in a silo and they are not necessarily underst- leveraging The teams at the plant level that really know the information that they need. And then IT is tasked with developing some sort of solution for the plant teams, but there's no real good communication going on to ensure that what IT is really doing is going to meet the plant team's needs. And they may not be opened to uh, working with vendors that would be able to fit their their exact needs. Um, there's a lot of like ownership. I think tribal knowledge is a, is a good way to say it. Um, I mean, I, I come in from the sales right And so how I think about it sometimes is um, I can't imagine being in a sales profession and being able to operate at my optimum capacity without a, a tool like Salesforce that's cloud-based, gives me all that information. And if I need any sort of more granular information, then there's a lot of like different plugins and apps and different things that you can use within Salesforce. Um, and so IT is just not in that same kind of mindset for manufacturing yet.
0: Yeah, what I've seen, at least at least on the mining side, is a lot of the companies, they decide to build their own solution in-house. Have you seen that? And what are your thoughts on that?
1: Yes, I have. I'm interested to learn your thoughts on that before I divulge mine.
0: <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, I mean, I look at it from a core competency thing, like if we're manufacturing the pencil, and i like for and i i just think it's a disaster like i i'm a done a lot of economics in the past and I, and i look at it and i say if you're a mine your core competency is you know getting material out of the ground processing it and getting it to market so why are you looking at an it solution like why are you looking at building yourself and then the the other thing is you know, being someone, you know, I went to MIT and I I have a lot of brilliant friends who went for like it went and went they work at Facebook and Google and Apple. And I and I look at them and I go, if I was a computer engineer, computer scientist from MIT, would I want to go work for a mining company or would I want to go work for Facebook? And I mean the answer is pretty clear to me. I don't know about you.
1: <laughs> I don't I think I think it on what your expertise is
0: <laughs> No, no, no. I mean, if, if I'm looking to develop software and I'm one of the best in the world, I'm not going to a mining company. I'm going to like a, a software company because I just think that the brand is there.
1: I also, I mean, if you relate that to manufacturing, you know, like... Um, manufacturers trying to do things in house, which I mean, that is something very common that that we see. That's why I asked you. I mean, it's just it's very very common, and they're failing. A lot of them are failing at it, um, and that's another key reason why um, IoT is probably having such a struggle in um, the the ROI there. Um, but with that said, it speaks to what you brought up. With okay, so in order to really successful to really leverage successful IOT do you really want as a manufacturer spe- specializing in a very specific area do you really want to also become a software company with the support structure the overhead and all of that too so I think that's I think manufacturers are are just starting to wake up to that you know they've done a little bit of digging internally um, they've spent a lot of resource time and money and now they're kind of in this turning the corner of opening up their eyes to what's out there from a software uh, provider perspective and support.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Hopefully they'll get on board with that. Other than some of the stuff that you've mentioned already, like what are some common mistakes that you see people making that are leading to these 76% of failures?
1: So I can give you exact examples. Okay. So we just had a really successful implementation with Mon and Hummel. Um, they're a major tier one automotive company and they, their team is absolutely innovative. They are, they have the right mindset. They're, they're moving the right mountains and they're, they're really, um, they just have a great mindset and a great culture. And the key success to this was all the right people were brought in early and often. Okay. Everybody was brought in very early, very often. Um, There was a bit of, you know, there's always a bit of conflict to get to the right decision, but that was done together as a team and it was a success. Okay. Okay. We're working with another tier one automotive company. I will not mention the name of this one. But you have, um, you have the teams who are desperate for data. They're desperate. And you have the corporate team on an internal initiative, which we just talked about, right? That, that internal initiative started back in the end of 2016. And they have yet anything to deliver from it. So the plant team wanted to potentially I I didn't mention the name. So they're kind of roguely going after um, other solutions to try to get something going so that they can prove ROI to the corporate team, the corporate IT teams who are kind of putting the kibosh on it, you know, however, now they're stuck in pilot purgatory because not the team wasn't on the same page from the get-go.
0: I'm going to start using that pilot purgatory. I like that.
1: <laughs> hey, I love it. Oh my goodness. I was so excited. I recently saw an article in Industry Week. And oh, I, I'm i going to mispronounce the person who wrote it, his name. So I'm not going to say it. But I think it's, it's Steven something. Uh, but he was using that term pilot purgatory. And I, I love it. I think it's it's so it just says it. It says it in very simply.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's great. Now, Kate, my last question for you here before we get you out of here. Before we jumped on the the podcast you mentioned that, you know, the IIOT solution providers having them put their steel-toed boots on and get out on the floor is, is one of the tips that you kind of have. Now, do you want to elaborate on that? And then also, do you want to give us your top tips on getting a successful IIoT implementation?
1: Okay. Um, so the reason why I brought up that, The point about software providers having to, when it comes to specifically the machine performance piece, getting the information off of the equipment on the plant floor, um, software providers have to put their steel toes on, put their safety glasses on, and get out there with their plant teams. And the reason behind that is going back to, I've, I've harped on this so much, but it really is... The equipment really is complex, and it's because of the variances in the PLC programming and ensuring um, the right PLC. They have all sorts of different PLCs on it, so to connect, and um, it is it is challenging. And also, they have to understand the, the plant operation, okay? Um, and that's where software providers are struggling, and it kind of goes back to your analogy on where's where does software want to work Facebook or a, a mining company you know um, you can view a lot of software providers in this space as like the Facebook's of the software world right the big players out there there's where all the the great software people want to work and that's awesome that's great um, When it comes to actually driving the ROI, you need to have a really diverse skill set in your software company, specifically for manufacturing. Not only do you need the software expertise, you need the controls expertise. You need somebody that has some sort of continuous improvement, Lean Six Sigma background. Um, You need connectivity specialists. You You need all those people to be working in tandem together and not just and communicating together, right? The software engineers cannot just be siloed. The rest of the organization, the rest of the goal.
0: No, 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 no. I love that. And like, I'm sure everyone listening, you know, we're we're looking at it a lot from a reliability point of view, but a lot of what you said there, like I'm going to get back on my high horse, uh, <laughs> but, it, but it really resounds with me as a reliability guy like i when i started my career i used to sit in front of a computer and do a lot of the modeling and then just kind of you know make some declarations like hey you should do stuff this way or you should do that way and that doesn't really work it doesn't like like it works in a sense that like you've you've created something or you've learned stuff but it doesn't work in creating change and it doesn't work in boosting reliability and you know, over the last few years, I've really gotten into this. You got to be boots on the ground. You got to be walking the plant. You got to be talking to your mechanics and your operators, and you got to really get that buy-in. Because I can, I can uh, there's a few examples I'll give you. Over the last few years, is one time we were walking out to to go see a pump. I was on a. a site with a consultant, uh, like I was consulting on a site, we walked out to the pump and there was just two pipes and nothing there. So the pump was gone. So, and and I said to the, like the reliability guy, he was like, well, it's supposed to be there. Well, how come you didn't know? Right. So it's stuff like that, where if like, I'm not saying like as a reliability engineer or software person, like obviously, you know, most of your time you're going to have to spend doing your job. But definitely, like if you're working on a solution, if you're doing an RCM, an RCA, if you're building a software for an IAOT solution, you'll have to go and get out on the floor, talk to the operators, talk to the mechanics, and make sure your solution works for them.
1: Exactly. also have to not only do that, but you have to align all of that with the business level decision making. Like the people that are sitting in the corporate people at the plant level and then people on the floor you have to roll you have to be able to be able to you you have to be able to speak to all levels of management and listen and understand and project manage or act as the catalyst for that communication
0: absolutely now kate i I want to ask you this because you know you're you're working with some of these solutions and with the onset of all this technology, like we've seen a lot of new technology pop up over the last few years here, you know, like machine learning has become very pervasive. We're starting to see a little bit of augmented reality and virtual reality. Like where do you see the future of manufacturing going in the next, like, let's say two to five years?
1: Uh, So, I really, I love the augmented and virtual reality. I've actually had the opportunity to um, check some of the stuff out. And it's, I mean, it's really cool. Um, I think it, that to truly leverage augmented and virtual reality, um, I I can't say that's going to be in two to five years, you know. Um, But what I can say is that getting the, data needed from the plant floor to drive immediate roi is happening now. And it's enabling it's enabling the plants for their future industry 4.0 initiatives for the things that are and will come with the augmented and virtual reality, machine learning, all those things that will come. The 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 first step that though is how do you get the right inform- from a manufacturing, specific for manufacturing, right, um, that have assemb- or automated assembly and discrete uh, operations, how do you get that information in a way that isn't just a pretty picture that can help your team truly drive improvements and then be able to pipe that information however aligns with your customer's industry 4.0 future object- objectives?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And for me, it's like I like to take it a step further and bring it back to asset management and say it's it's all about risk and it's all about decision making. And like these solutions, they're providing us information so we can make better decisions. That's really at the end of the day, that's what it is.
1: Exactly, exactly. And you know, I think this is like this isn't specifically very technical, Rob, but I also that although right now it seems very chaotic um, i call it the ind- the wild west of industry 4.0 it is it's chaotic however what will happen once everybody together collectively gets through this period of change together it's going to be so it's going to be almost like peaceful to be able to have this kind of information and re- and make the insights that need to be made that are just going to be absolutely trajectory changing for just so many people and companies. And it's really exciting stuff. It's really exciting stuff.
0: Oh yeah. And it'll be nice because mother Google or mother Amazon will take care of everything.
1: Yeah, I hope so someday. Do you think they can change my driver's license to a Texas driver's license without me having to go to the DMV? That would be nice.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, yeah, it's funny because you know that the, the DMV—I'm sure it's as backwards uh, there as it is here. I, I just had a call with the government of Canada, and they asked me to fax them some information, and. I don't even own a printer, no matter a fax machine. So that's another story.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it's like, what in the world? What in the world? So um, you did, you asked me about my key, like the high level takeaways for success in IoT. Okay. The first and foremost factor for success is bringing the right people early and often, breaking down the silos. And that goes not only for manufacturers, it also goes for their software providers. Um, the right software provider should be agnostic to equipment type. They should be open source. They should be able to, or sorry, not open source, open API. Um, they should be able to speak to each other so that you can create that pencil.
0: Yep, absolutely. Now, Now, Kate, last thing I got for you do you have anything to plug? Like, obviously, people listening, they should go check out automationintellect.com. They should also, pro tip is follow Kate Cohen on LinkedIn. You put out some great stuff. Now, are you going to be at any conferences or is there anything else you want to plug?
1: Um, Yes, of course there is. I mean, they just... Uh, this is such a, an amazing time for our team um, we just signed a master service agreement with Mon and Hummel um, that was it's such a fantastic achievement not only for our team but for the Mon and Hummel team um, I can't say enough amazing things they're truly a world-class company that is focused on their customers value and how they can uh, just increase that value and um, we also are uh, in the finishing processes of signing a partnership agreement with Bartel Machinery, um, and so that that's super exciting, and we are closing around. Um, I think I mentioned 1.2 million. Um, I have to check with Brad DeMarco, who's the founder and CEO, because I know um, it keeps raising every every day. So that's awesome. Um, so it just. This is really a monumental time for the team and just extremely grateful. Also, Rob, I so appreciate you reaching out. Um, I love your content on LinkedIn. I think it's so impactful. I think it's so impactful for um, the marketing, the kind of marketing and messaging coming from this space to come from the people who are living and breathing The actual, like the reality of things, not just this philosophical marketing, the marketing messaging that we see all the time in this space.
0: (laughs) Well, I'm not a marketer.
1: (laughs) Well, I mean, you say that, but Rob, you definitely are. How are you not a marketer? This is an awesome podcast. So, MIT, MIT engineering grad. (laughs) <laughs> trying to deny that <laughs> it's funny it's good you're, you're phenomenal phenomenal marketer as well as engineer
0: i swear i can do i can do differential equations i swear
1: <laughs> uh, well hey in future of marketing you're gonna have to be able to do that to keep up so i'm sure you're on the right <laughs>
0: uh. <laughs> Well, well, no, Kate, I mean, I I appreciate you coming on and sharing your expertise. I also had a fun time talking with you, so we'll definitely have to have you back coming up here.
1: Yeah, yeah. I appreciate it, Rob. Um, I'm also, um, you know, I I look forward to your more of your content and following your success. So thank you.
0: Oh, uh, last thing, conferences. Are you going to be anywhere?
1: Okay. Um, Yes. Yep, yep, yep. Thank you for asking. We are speaking at the North Carolina Manufacturing Extension Partnership, November 5th and 6th in Winston-Salem. I believe I got the dates right. 5th and 6th in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. Um, we may be checking out PAC Expo. So, um, if you are attending PAC Expo, please feel free to, uh, direct message me on LinkedIn. Um, and that's what I know for sure right now. (laughs) How about you, Rob? Where, where are you going to any conferences soon that I might, uh, be able to, to run into you?
0: (laughs) All, all I got scheduled right now is the PMAC main train conference in Edmonton in September. That's all I got scheduled. I, I will just. I'm starting to work next week, so hope, I think that'll be it'll tie me down a little bit for the, the near future. But hopefully, in 2020, I'll be doing the the circuit again.
1: <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, I understand for sure, for sure. Well, thank you, and uh, have a, a wonderful rest of your week and weekend.
0: Yeah, thank you Kate. Thanks for joining us. And you know, for everyone still listening, I appreciate you guys listening so much. I hope you took something out of this episode. I thought it was I thought it was really insightful. And again, we're going to harp on it again, but it's a people game.